The Australian summer is finally over, but an Australian is still conquering overseas. Alexi Popperin claiming his first title in Singapore last week over Alexander Bublik in the final, making him the second Australian male to win on the ATP Tour this season. Igor Sviantek ended the Australian summer in style with a win in Adelaide, whilst also one Manuel Serundolo won in Cordoba on debut in an ATP Tour-level event. He didn't just win, he qualified and won. What an effort that was by the young 19-year-old Argentinian. This is Breakpoint Podcast. I'm your host, Val Febo, and joining me, as he always does from one side of the Zoom world to the other side of the Zoom world, is Joel Frucci. Joel, how are you? I'm going well, thanks, Val. Tell you what, we could have had the bony music um, to play in the show for the second time uh, in a row, or the second time in a few weeks anyway, but might have to actually substitute it and find something else. Or maybe thinking, that's Amore or something. What do you reckon? Because uh got an Italian flavour, this show. Yeah, you're exactly right, Joel. We might have to change it to that's Amore or Mambo Italiano. We never know. We do love a bit of Dean Martin. Um, <laughs> but we were supposed to have Anastasia Pavlachenkova, but she's in the middle of a tournament in Doha at the present. So, unfortunately, she's had to pull out on us. But hopefully, we should have her for next week uh, locked in and loaded for a chat with us here on the show. But we do have Lapo Beccherini, the fitness coach of Alexi Popper and Joel. Yeah, we do indeed have Lapo, and uh, he's been doing a lot of work with uh, Alexi on his fitness. And interestingly, he's been doing uh, that same thing with a lot of other very high-profile players as well at the Moritoglu Academy. So really eager to hear what exactly they've been up to and uh, and what Lapo's really been looking to improve within Alexi. But also... More broadly, I'm fascinated to hear what he thinks about Italian tennis at the moment because women's tennis is obviously still very strong in Italy. The the women there have been pioneering the sport for for quite a while. But as we know, in the last few years, uh, men's tennis has just burst to life um, in that particular country. So I'm really, really excited um, to hear what he thinks uh, his home country has done uh, so well uh, to really put tennis on the map on uh, on both sides. Yep, exactly right. Well, they're doing so well and they've got the up-and-comers like Yannick Sinner's making waves, but also Lorenzo Musetti as well. He's playing some inspired tennis at the moment. So um, to be able to follow what they're going to do over the next 10 years is is something that's really exciting from a tennis point of view, especially on the ATP Tour. But let's get into the agenda, Joel. And it was Alexi Popperin over Alexander Bublik in Singapore. And it was his first title, 21 years old. He's at a career-high ranking of 82 in the world. And the players that he knocked off, towards the end of the tournament, just got better and better. He knocked off Matt Ebden, um, who can be a tricky customer, and absolutely dispatched... And he did. He made the final in the doubles with J.P. Smith, but he dispatched John Millman in the second round, did Matt Ebden. It was a phenomenal effort from the Western Australian. And the way that he was playing, he seemed as though he was he was in some fine form, but Popperin got rid of him, then beat Marin Cilic, a Grand Slam champion and three-time Grand Slam finalist, former world number three uh, in straight sets, 7-6, seven, 7-6. Six, seven, six. And then after losing the first set against Alexander Bublik, the, the wily Kazakh, he's only lost one point on serve in the next two sets. That is sensational. And I think that's a testament to the work that he has done in the offseason because he hadn't, hasn't had a first-round loss yet in any tournament that he's played. And his effort against David Goffin and Lloyd Harris at the Australian Open, it was noteworthy because he came back, saved match points against Goffin, but then also clawed his way back and won a fourth set tiebreak against Harris to push it to five. So 
he's had a really, really solid start to the season. And, you know, there are a few stats that he hadn't beaten a top 50 player outside of Grand Slam, and he'd only done it in a major. Well, he's now done it outside of a major, and he's got that title, that elusive title, and he should be really thrilled with his week. Yeah, he absolutely should. Um, that win over Marin Cilic was, was huge. I'm going to be honest, uh, Val, looking at the, the draw originally for this event in Singapore, I thought Marin was the outright favourite, and I don't think, or I didn't think anyone would get near him, to be totally honest. I thought he was by far and away the standout in the in the draw, even though you look at it and and um, we've got guys like Radu Elbot who was playing some really good tennis Um he he was someone that I thought might do well, but yeah, to see Alexi come through like that um, was uh, was superb. And it's interesting after last year. I, I think obviously it was a tough year for a lot of tennis players, but I thought Alexi potentially did go backwards a little bit. Um, wasn't really sort of too pleased with what he dished up, even though let's let's face it. I mean, he was twenty last year, still very very young. Um, I think it speaks a lot to what we've come to expect of him and the potential that we see in him. But, um, yeah, it really says a lot about um, what he's done, what he seems to have done over the off-season. We're going to find out a bit more about that uh, later on. But um, really interested to hear what the win over David Goffin at the Australian Open did for him because he was on the ropes. Let's face it, he was yeah. done and dusted. And I still, I still say it, he had no right to win that match. And he somehow got through against the wily old statesman, uh, statesman David Goffin. And, um, of course, in the end, didn't get it done against Floyd Harris in the next round. But the fact that he was able to muscle his way through this event um, behind the eight ball a bit against uh, the Kazakh Kyrgios, Alexander Bublik, but found a way to get it done. Six love, uh, six two. That's mightily impressive. Yeah, 100%. And that match against David Goffin, he was phenomenal. But I, I think that the question that I want to pose to you, and this is a debate that I really want to have, who is the bigger prospect for Australian tennis. Alex Diminor, who's already been there, he's you know he's made a Grand Slam quarterfinal, he's got four titles under his belt, including one this year, or Alexi Poprin, who possesses all of the weapons to harness a game that's worthy of being inside the top 10 and pushing for a Grand Slam. Yes, Diminor has the speed, and yes, he's got the court coverage and the will and determination to just continue to fight for every single point that he plays, no matter what situation he's in within a match. But for some reason, I keep getting drawn to Alexi Popperin and what he can produce uh, throughout his matches and, and the big serves, the big forehand, that ability to go nuclear when he needs to. And Demonor, I don't think, has that level. And I just think with the height of Popperin, and just his sheer game style, I think he has more of a game that in the future he could possibly trouble the guy, the, the top guys in more of a way than what Demonor can because we've seen players like Demonor over the years not actually reach the heights that they were supposed to reach. They've always gone into Grand Slams as favourites. You know, you get your Kane Ishikori's um, and, and so on and all those players, your David Ferrer's, your... Um, Gilles Simon, all of those sorts of players, and there's others that, that I haven't mentioned here. Even Andy Murray is a player that you know should have won more slams. But I, I just think the game of Popper and with the severe weapons that he's got is probably going to be more of a prospect and might have a better career than what Alex Demonor will have. And look, 
it, that's there's still ten years to decide this. But I'd be interested to get your take. Well, uh, it's interesting. The first thing I'll say on this is that I actually I still think that of all the Australian men's prospects, Nick Kyrgios is the one. He's head and shoulders above everyone else. For me, yeah, but, but he's he's not a prospect that, that's, anymore. That's a whole other can of worms. He's not a prospect no, anymore. I think he is. He's twenty five though. You, I, I think you, once he hit. I, I, I Once think he, he is because nah, I wouldn't call him a prospect. There's so much that there is so much that the guy can do. He just hasn't pulled it all together yet. There is, but uh, if he hasn't done still, it by he's now, still, he's still young enough, I think, to put it together. But anyway, that's a whole other can yeah. of worms. Diminor and Popperin. Um, no, I think at the moment there's only one answer, and that's and that's Alex Diminor. I think the the big thing that he has currently over Alexi is the consistency and. Uh, yes, Alexi has probably a lot more weapons than, than Damon does. And the, the constant, I wouldn't even say it's a criticism of, of, uh, of Damon, but I would more say it's, a, it's an encouragement or a thing, something that we want him to work on is for him to really go out there and find a big weapon. Um, incredibly, he had more, like the fastest serve on the men's half of the Australian Open somehow, like 225 kilometers or something, Bell, something incredible like that. Yeah. Um, wouldn't it? Yeah, would would not have expected that from Damon. But, no, um, no, I think you know. I, actually, these two are comparable because they're around the same age bracket. I think it's got to be Damon um, at the moment, as as well as Alexi is going at the moment. He still has, um, I think, a, a lot to work on. And the biggest thing for him now is that he was impressive at the Australian Open. He's got himself a two fifty title in Singapore. Um, he now needs to go and consolidate that. I think because what. Demon currently has over Alexi is that he's been able to really consolidate and back it up and add to what he already has. So um, for me at the moment, in short, um, the the clear cut is is Demon. Yeah, I, look, I get where you're coming from, but I think if you know in ten years, if we're looking at this, I have a feeling that Alexi Popperin is going to be the man that could harness the harness the load that carries Australian men's tennis. Um, for a while, and him and Demon all going hand in hand, I think will be a really, really interesting partnership. Um, look, I don't think Kyrgios is a prospect anymore. I, look, I've been saying it for a couple of years that Kyrgios won't win a slam. I don't think he ever will. I, I just think that he's walking, talking controversy. And whilst he's great yeah, to watch, I don't, think he'll, I don't think he'll win a slam. But I still think he has a lot left to offer the sport. He I'll does, win. but whether he actually plates up that offer, I'm not sure. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't think Kyrgios is one you can ever comment on. And look, I, we're also forgetting about Thanasi Kokonakis. He's one that he that could, if he gets his body right, has the talent to get inside the top 50 and, and possibly That's even go... That's a massive if. Yeah, massive if. But he's learning how to harness his body and make sure that he's in a much better condition or you know, he's handling himself with a little bit more professionalism off the court in terms of his training and how he manages his body. So, look, that's a big if as well. He could even get himself inside the top 50. We saw the quality that he that he exuberates during his Australian Open match against Stefano Tsitsipas, and he played so well to get that to five sets. So, yeah, Tanasi is another interesting one as well. But I think Australian tennis is in pretty good hands at the moment with Demon Orr, um and with Popper and, and with Kokonakis, and then you throw in guys like Duckworth, Ebden's coming back, Kyrgios, Thompson, Millman, uh, O'Connell, Polmans, and a lot of other guys. Um, I, I think we're going to be sitting, and Alexander Vukic as well, I think we're going to be sitting in a pretty good spot in um, in 
10 years' time, hopefully. So, yeah, very, very interesting. But before we do move on, Joel, to Lapo, I want to get your thoughts on Iga Swiatek and what she was able to do in Adelaide. She had a really hard-fought semifinal, um, and, and all th- throughout the tournament, it probably wasn't easy for her to get through. Hard court's never been her massive game. Clay court's always been her strong suit. But to get that title with a really star-studded field like that, that is impressive. Yeah, absolutely. And um, it's good to see, as as you said, Val, of course, we saw her win the French Open. Um, it's good to see her backing up on a different surface. Um, yeah, really, really impressive in Adelaide. And Belinda Bencic as well had a, a pretty good tournament. But in the end, um, just with the way that Eager plays and the variety that she has, I'm not really surprised that all things considered, she got it um, got it done so easily in final 6-2, uh, 6-2 uh, against Belinda. Just has has that, that variety that you really like. Um, and that's why I think she can turn into uh, an all-core player and have a lot of success on every surface. But, um, yeah, Belinda, for her part, probably, I would say, a, a bit fatigued. Um, had a had a huge semi-final against Coco Golf, which I actually uh, tuned into, and I'm glad I did because it was a fantastic match. Um, both players superb, a lot of ebbs and flows. Credit to Coco Golf for really, really pushing Belinda um, from the brink, really, in that second set, um, and ended up turning it around, pushed it into a third. Um, yeah, but obviously uh, the experience um, got it done in the end, but you'd have to say that uh, Belinda was probably a little bit fatigued um, at the end of it. And uh, Iga, with that little bit extra recovery time, a little bit less time on court, uh, was able to uh, spin that to her advantage. Yeah, I meant to say that the semi-final, I meant Benchich, not Shriontek. I said she had a difficult semi-final, but um, I was thinking the other way around. So yeah, she went through without dropping a set as she did at Roland Garros in 2020. So really impressive from the young pole. And she is looking the goods at the moment to possibly be a multiple and even go beyond five Grand Slam titles with the consistency that she's showing at the present time. No, neither would I. And one Manuel Serundolo. Wow. Cordoba, he qualifies. He's got a better ATP record than Novak Djokovic, Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal. Unbelievable. 100% undefeated. He should retire, Joel. Oh no, he should retire. He's, uh, oh. how how is the story? He just came out of nowhere, qualified, eight wins in nine days. That is super super impressive. And um, we've uh, we've jotted down uh, a couple of stats here. And the one that stands out is that he's the fifth lowest ranked player to win a tour event since the ATP was established in 1990. How's that, Bell? That's unbelievable. Incredible. Unbelievable. 19 years old showed absolute nerves of steel. He just kept going and going and going and going. And, you know, by the end of the week, he was um, he was a household name when at the start of the week, not many people would have known who he actually was and, and you know, what his game style was like. But, geez, he played mm. some inspired tennis. And the, the players that he knocked off this tournament, he's taken down Thiago Sabothville, who's a title winner on the ATP, won one last year in this exact February clay court swing in South America. Miramir Kecmanovic, Thiago Montero, Federico Coria and Albert Ramos Vinales, who's a Masters 1000 finalist and a dual title winner on the ATP. So, an amazing week from him. Court experience. Yep, exactly right. So, he's an absolute superstar in the making, you would think, in Argentinian tennis. Um, would be pretty damn thrilled with that result. But without further ado, it's time to get to our first guest 
of the evening, and his name is Lapo Beccarini. He's going to join us in a sec. We'll track him down from Dubai. <laughs> and we've tracked him down in Dubai. Lapo Beccarini joins us. He's a coach at the Moritoglu Tennis Academy, a fitness coach, that is. And he's a wonderful, wonderful exponent of what happens in tennis. And fitness coaches are such an important part of the game and how players manage themselves and become better in their careers. And he's a fitness coach of Alexi Popperin, who's just won his first ATP tour title in Singapore. Lapo, thank you so much for joining us on Breakpoint and taking time out of your busy schedule to chat to us. How are you going? Yeah, thank you guys for the invitation first. And uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, very happy. The last few days, I, yeah, like, uh, I had even the chance to meet here in Dubai, where actually I am since two weeks. Uh, Alexi was traveling through Singapore to here to then go to back in the academy for a couple of days. And yeah, I met him with all 10. I mean, uh, the guy did honestly like amazing precision. Amazing. He did like uh, amazing job with the, with the coach as well, with Benjamin. One coach, like he has big experience. The coach he was working with Petkovic and like different players in ATP as well. And uh, he worked hard. He worked hard, Alexi. He worked hard like uh, six weeks. He never stopped. We we work well with one uh, osteopath that joined the team. And yeah, so like all of us, honestly, we did like a very good job. And just, you know, it's like, I mean, you, you just be patient, have to be patient sometimes, and then result will come. And honestly, how the guy did in Singapore, even like how he played, I saw from Dubai almost all the matches that he played, and he played so good. If you can see, like, serve so good, return of serve so good. The guy was the guy was full confidence, and so yeah, he's doing very good actually. Yeah, he, and we were just talking before his start to the season has been exemplary, beating David Goffin in the Australian Open, making it through yeah. to the third round of the Melbourne Summer Series as well. So he hasn't lost a first round match all year. What did his preseason actually look like, and what did you work with him? In particular, what did you work on with him to try and improve and to take his game to the next level? Yeah, sure, Bob. Uh, so basically, we start. Let's say we start to work together. It's like one year, basically. Like after lockdown, after the first real lockdown, the street one. So we start like uh, let's say March uh, 2020, 2020, and then yeah, uh, it was not so easy in the beginning because I mean, uh, as I told you, in France for like full lockdown. And then uh, the guy, he, he couldn't, like, train, you know, like, so no fitness, no tennis, nothing for uh, more than two months. So, of course, he gained uh, weight, and even about performance was not the best, uh, about technique was not the best. So, we had, like, uh, until French Open, not the best moment. Uh, we tried to schedule some tournaments, like Parma, and as I told you, French Open, like, different, even some challenger, but it didn't feel so good. Then after we sit... Um, he was looking for a coach, so he had experience uh, with uh, Arbati, Dominic Arbati, ex-former uh, uh, 11 top player. So he was like, the guy was like 11 ATP, so yeah. he was like very experienced like player, And um, but it, it didn't work. So yeah, we went together in French Open. After French Open, he started to work with the coach that actually still is coach, Benjamin, Benny. For us, and uh, so we put a lot of focus beginning about injury prevention. Me, I had the opportunity to move to live in India, in Mumbai, for one year. Uh, I moved there with my girlfriend. She's from uh, Florence, like me, Italy. And I went, her, I went there to study yoga. 
So yoga bring me like, let's say on the next level about range of motion, mobility, flexibility. And as you know, like you can see like top player, they spend, uh, um, I mean, uh, how much time they spend on the prevention. So yeah, so we try to figure out how to improve, especially for Alexi, um, the hip mobility, shoulder mobility, uh, you know, like all basically the, the most important part for player as the guy is very tall um, and he was not so good on this aspect, we we start with uh, was like basically almost one week training block, just mobility and beginning. Then step by step, we start to build the endurance, durability. So of course, like normal. So we start like with longer session, not that high intensity and step by step, we start to work on higher intensity. So like shorter, more specific, to add the drill. Um, was one very good training block, like before leaving for Dubai, that he left actually uh, the 2 of January to Dubai and then he moved to Australia. So before when the coach was in the academy, Ben was the academy. So let's say end of December, we work a lot on specific movement on the course. I used to work uh, with, with the players, top young players on course, to give them the feeling like that there is a huge link between fitness and tennis wise. It's not like fitness, you build the fitness and you keep the fitness in the room, but you try to have link connection between fitness and tennis. So on course. So even with like some machine, uh, like one machine that I developed to work more the speed, um, the power on the first step. So, so let's say we mix, we start like not in general, like a big training block that was five, six weeks, six weeks. So like a lot of injury prevention, a lot of mobility stability, some endurance durability. And then step by step, we start, to, we were closer to power. So on the first step, uh, including some like shot, some hit. So yeah, that's why we, we managed this six weeks training block, yeah. Yeah, and we were really pleased, uh, Lapo, to see uh, Alexi's endurance on show at the Australian Open against uh, David Goffin, a very yeah. experienced player, and, yeah. and then also uh, Lloyd Harris in the next round, even though he, he lost. But uh, you must have been really pleased to see all that hard work um, translate onto, onto the court. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But look, uh, honestly, again, of course, like uh, I spoke a few days ago, uh, a few days ago with Alexi, with the Benny, the coach, with the director of uh, the high performance department in Moratoglu, that is Corey. And I told them, look, I'm impressed, honestly, about how the guy is doing. But because, but I'm, I mean, I'm not impressed about the result. Of course, it's easy now to say that he, he could do it, but. Uh, if you could see how he hard works during the six weeks, and trust me, six weeks are like I try to work hard for every day. It's big. It's not like you say you're gonna work like hard one week. It was basically one month and out, and the guy what he did like impress. So yeah, he deserved it. He deserved the result. Now he got so much confidence even after let's say after, after the first round in Australia when he played good fan. It was like he did very good. It was like I mean the result was not going like best, but then he did like unbelievable work on court and he did it. So yeah, now we have to keep working uh, for the next weeks. He will play. He was supposed to play Marcel, but now the talk with the Benny, the coach, and Alex will play Dubai first 
that's why Monday will come here for like one week training block, then Dubai, then straight after Miami, and then we'll start working again on clay to prepare the clay season in the academy. Yeah, and it was really impressive as well in that match against David Goffin, um, his real mental strength, because he saved match points, of course, in yeah. that match yeah. um, as well. After, but yeah, yeah um, moving forward now, Lapo, um, uh, Val and myself before were talking a bit about how far Alexi can go in his career and, and just how good um, he can be. And we both think he can really go very far in, in his career and continue to rise up the rankings and potentially win more titles because we think he does have uh, a lot of weapons. So just how good do you think he can be? Yeah, for sure, for sure. Totally agree, totally agree, totally agree, guys. Uh, look, when I started to work with him, honestly, uh, the first first week I was impressed about the talent that the guy has. So much talent. Uh, he's so fast genetically. And so, to me, the guy can be top 10, top 10 for sure, for sure, but even more, honestly, it's just what, you know, like, the guy is, is I mean, Alex is very young, he's 21 years old, so now, let's say, it's just the, the beginning for him, uh, hopefully, like, this title came, so I'm sure, I'm sure, honestly, that in the next week's month, uh, he will do better and better, and then, of course, actually, it's like, best ranking so he's like 82 i think he was uh, before 87 best ranking i think 2019 so yeah for sure i'm not i will not surprised if he can reach like top 10 in uh, I, I, of course i can't say like uh, one year but soon so just there i mean there are no secrets like keep working hard and the guy he, he can do it mentally is strong he knows that the priority for him is just tennis all this family that's honestly is like an amazing family Elena, Alex, Sonia, all the family, um, they are like supporting him. So you have even the, the support from the family, from the family, the parents that actually is pretty important. So for sure he can do it. And then, I mean, we have like amazing facilities for, from what I talk, like in Dubai, we have like uh, one headquarter in the Jumeirah Beach Hotel. We have like mm -hmm. amazing facilities in the academy that I don't know guys if you've never been in the academy, but, but you should, because it's like unbelievable. You have like more than, together, like, yeah. actually, yeah, three gyms, like 50 tennis courts. So, I mean, it's like the best place, actually, I think, in the world to work. Like, yeah. I am absolutely desperate but, to get over. I've been doing some research on it over the last few weeks and looking up, you know, where it's located and, and what the facilities are like. I'm absolutely, when whenever we can travel overseas, I'm jetting straight to the Moratoglu Academy. I'm going to stay in the resort yeah, and I'm going to be playing tennis all day. But um, looking, before we do move on about the academy itself and your work there, I, I just want to ask, with Alexi's game, he has the prototype of such of, of the player that has become one of the biggest contenders for, the, for Grand Slams because he's got the weapons, he's got the big serve, and he's got the forehand, yep. and now the movement is starting yep. to come into that as well. How early, and you said that early on working with him, you were impressed, but what is it, and yeah. what is the biggest strength of his game, in your opinion? Look, um, honestly, he can read, he can read the, the game pretty good. And you know what, like, um, I have this, this conversation a couple of times with, like, fitness coach, uh, tennis coach. A lot of people, they are impressed about the speed of the guy. It's so fast. You can see, I think it was like a semi-final of Singapore. I don't remember. Or quarter, he, the opponent played like amazing drop shot. And the guy 
he catch it and he did win it. So, I mean, the guy think about um, genetically something that you have inside. And of course, I, I, I have to say, yes, absolutely. Then you can, you can work. You can work on this good base that you have. But what he can do very well is anticipation. So like to try to understand even before that the opponent is eating the ball where he has to move. And this one is tactical, of course, as, as I told you, anticipation and coordination. Alex is like the kind of guy, you know, like when he was young, he's very young, he was very young. He was, um, he was living like um, at the beginning uh, Australia, then Dubai. And he was playing like amazing. He can play actually amazing basketball. He's so good on basketball. He's good on soccer, on football. He is good. He plays golf. He's amazing on tennis. So you know, like you know what I mean. He's kind of player that actually he can he, he builds like a multi-sport vision. And this one helped him a lot. Then on this base, you have to add amazing serve. Because if you see like how he served like even the two tiebreak with Chilic, I think in the second tiebreak he did like three, four aces. Yeah. Like average of speed, I don't know, first serve was like unbelievable. The guy he, he served unreal. Like first serve more than two hundred and twenty. So yeah, of course as, as you see the guys like big serve, um big forehand. He start to move pretty well inside out forehand. He can run. Uh, he can do like very easily serving volley, so he started to play better and better backhand as well. So now he started to play very solid. He's aggressive, of course. So the guy is tall, he's fast, so he has to play like you know, like kind of let's say new next generation. If you see like a lot of players, they they used to play like very aggressive, and so yeah, so all there's like big weapon, not just one. Not just one, actually, he has like more, and he can read as I told you the game. And yeah, if you start to see like one plus one plus one, you can figure out how he can, why he can be so good. The guy, he can be like, he can reach top ten play yeah, for sure, like top ten ATP. And that's the most important thing these days, being able to problem solve on court, because that is how you beat exactly. the big guys in Grand Slams, and it's such an important exactly. facet of. Of the game and and looking at your work now at the Moritoglu Academy, how long have, have you been there for, and um, what different types of roles have you been conducting since you've started? Yeah, uh, sure. Look, so um, I had interview. I remember it was like April two thousand nineteen with the director. Actually, it's correct. And yeah, so we spoke, and after I enjoyed the academy in September two thousand nineteen. At the beginning, I was not what I and not I was not working with uh, Alexi. And uh, yeah, basically, I start like, like as I'm now, like fitness coach, um, working with some players from the pro team. We have like a solid group, around like 25, 30 players that actually play pro team. Um, and then we have like a small uh, group that is called actually Champsid, is the name. And uh, where Patrick Moratoglu, the CEO and founder of Moratoglu Academy, uh, they are trying to support, is trying to support this project of these like very, very young, someone of them, and very good potential players. Look, actually, Alexi was like in the, in the Shamsi program. So the Moratoglu Academy is supporting with coaches, with fitness, with the physiotherapy, with uh, all the aspects with nutrition as well, 
And then the guy, he did very good. He, he won French Open when he was young. Same for was for Titipas. Same for was like different play, you know. So yeah, I have the opportunity, and I have to thanks uh, more Toglu, Patrick, and Corey to work actually with like I think uh, if not all the best, but actually a lot of the best talented that like future uh, professional players that uh, not just we have in the academy but we have around the world. I I, I used to work with like Constantinos Lettonis, is one guy from Cyprus with Lennon Jones, what came from uh, one player from um, Japan, uh, Claire Dion-Gonwe, she's like one player from US. So Mark Lajal, this guy is not in Shamsid, but he's doing very good. Uh, David Ionel, one guy from Romania. So, you know, like, uh, yeah, I mean, like, uh, we have very, 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 very good young players from, uh, let's say, even 11, 11 years old and uh, until, like, of course, a like professional. So yeah, basically I'm like a fitness coach, and let's say I'm um, for my background because I study sports science at the university in Florence. Then I moved to have like one master of one year in Valencia, in Spain, as like specialization in injury prevention. And then I did a second masters of two years in uh, performance in high level sport in Barcelona. So I spent like uh, three years studying in Spain. And plus more here, uh, like working in football and soccer, and yeah, like have this, you know, like different vision, point of view about strength conditioning, about performance. I think it helped me a lot. Then again, the year that I spent in India to try to study yoga, you know, like I let's say I try to broke the line of the classical fitness and coach like strength and conditioning old school. I just try to figure out what the tennis players they need actually what they need because uh, now like you can hear a lot of times functional functional but what functional does mean i mean what functional means like we have to try to deepen the sports try to build a relationship with a tennis coach and from this point try to start like your programmation your schedule with the players and try for me it's so important and that's actually what with Alexei is working very good to let to the players. So in this case, to Alexei, understand why we are working on something. You know what I mean? It's yeah. not just relationship like me. I'm the coach. You are the player. It's like Marine, let's say American Marine. You do it and shut up. No, we talk about that. <laughs> why this one you can be good? Why this one not? And then together we try to I mean go in the same direction. You know. Just before we say uh, goodbye, Lapo, I'm really interested um, in uh, your thoughts on Italian tennis because uh, the, the women have been strong for a while because, of course, we had uh, Schiavone and Benetta and also Sara Rani still going. But now the men are very strong too. We have, of, of course, yeah. Matteo Berrettini, Fabio Fognini, uh, Sina, Musetti as well, Caruso, um, and yeah. there's, there's many more. Um, so um, what do you think Italian tennis has done uh, so well to to get both the men's and the women's uh, side of tennis so strong. Yeah, good question. Uh, actually, so like same question that a lot of players and parents are asking me. But of course, of course, it's like natural. Like because I mean, honestly, look, um, one player that I forgot I, I used to work with is Lorenzo Musetti. Uh, I'm I'm very close to him, oh, and uh, like today, it's it's his birthday. So happy birthday, oh. Lorenzo! Today. Oh, <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. Bon and Lore. And yeah, Emberic touch. I mean, Emberic close with the him and the coach, Simone Tartarini, that he did like with the Lorenzo. Amazing, incredible job. Because basically, Lorenzo started to play tennis with Simone. So, by the way, um, what the Italian Federation is doing very good is supporting. Is supporting. What does it mean, support? It, it means like uh, support, uh, like uh, financial, so money. That actually we know that it's money, it's like important in tennis because you have like to invest money for fitness again, for tennis coaches, for a lot of stuff. So they can support with like uh, money and uh, they can support with like uh, facilities. Because in the federation, we have like Tyrrhenia, we have Rome, so different places. Now, in the last year, they start to like split like boy close to Florence where actually I'm from and girls in Rome and then what they're doing very good it's tournaments you can see like how many tournaments we have in Italy I'm talking yeah. about tennis Europe I'm talking about ITF I'm talking about challenger so and this one if you start to think about that they start to support the players support like with money with facilities they try to help them to play as much as they can. That actually is, of course, I'm fitness coach. So to me, you know, for me, how much important is like to have like training session, training periodization, training block. But then we just work to make them play with the best level that we can. We try. So I mean, at one point we have to play, and it's easier, of course, if you don't need to travel and if you can play. In the in the hand of the year, maybe you can play like uh, how many tournaments? Thirty-five, or I don't know, like uh, thirty or twenty or fifteen or ten. And this one is different. Then you can see how many players, like even young age, fifteen, sixteen years old, how many players they can play five tournaments, or how many players they can play fifteen, how many players they can play twenty tournaments. So this one, of course, about ranking. It makes difference about experience is make difference and so yeah actually the federation in the last two three four five years honestly they are doing very good and uh, yeah so i think this one is one of the key then i think uh, level, i mean the level of coaches and uh, of fitness coaches as well just uh learning to to i remember all the time like with uh, a lot of pleasure like that's actually the number one in the world Djokovic, uh, his fitness coach, is an uh, Italian guy, uh, like Marco Panicchi. We have like a lot of very, very good fitness coaches, physiotherapists, tennis coaches on tour. And Mark is not only the one, but just to let you, like, I mean, just to remind you that the level in Italy of like, uh, yeah, of like uh, tennis-wise, of all the people that are like in the in the tennis world is 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 pretty high. So yeah. We are trying to do the best, and yeah, and even like uh, maybe we are even lucky. Let's say it's possible, <laughs> like uh, that this new generation is doing very good. So yeah, well, that's let's say a multi-component reasons, I think. Yeah, and well, now we know who we can put uh, Lorenzo Musetti's quality uh, down to. We know that you've done all the work with him, and you're the reason why he's doing so well. Um, but no, Italian tennis is doing an unbelievable job, and the way that the, yeah. the Federation is running things is fantastic. And the way that you're doing things is fantastic, Lapo. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on Breakpoint Podcast, and the work Thanks, that you're doing and the Moritoglu Academy is doing 
is absolutely magnificent and the, the players that you're producing and the quality that you're producing as well is unparalleled. So Lapo Beccarini, thank you very much and good luck with the rest of the season. Thank Thank you, guys. We hope soon. Really appreciate it for the tall fan. Yeah, hope to see you. Maybe in the academy soon. Will be my pleasure to see you. Okay. And we do hope to get to the Moritoglu Academy when we can leave Melbourne, Joel. But Lapo Beccarini, there. What an awesome chat that was. He was so engaging, and uh, and I think the the underlying quality there was how he was always looking for more, and how he's always keen to find that next step and the relationship with the players and to explain to them why they were actually doing what they were doing really stood out to me and just the sheer quality of his mind and the sort of the, the coaching philosophy that he does have. So that was a that was a fantastic chat. And we must thank Bastien Fashan for helping us uh, line that chat up because uh, absolutely fantastic. He works in the media department at the Moritoglu Academy and he helped to uh, to tee up the the um, discussion there with Lapo. So we hope to have Lapo on very soon. We hope to have Bastian on at some point as well to talk about his role at the Moritoglu Academy. But Joel, um, Gilles Simon has taken a, a indefinite break for, away from the ATP Tour, citing the COVID-19 mm. restrictions that are kind of plaguing his uh, drive and his intent to want to play and to want to compete. And we saw that last week with his genuine frustration in Montpellier. He just couldn't get into gear, could he? He lost against uh, Dennis Novak in the second round in an epic three-setter. But it was so unlike Simon to show that level of animation during his match, wasn't it? Because he was throwing rackets, absolutely cracking it, and it's stuff that we haven't seen from the from the Frenchman. Yeah, he's a very cool, calm, and collected guy. And the fact that we haven't really seen a lot of it speaks volumes, really, that it now has happened. Because... Um, this story made me think and, and sort of, you know, check dates and whatever else on, on Gilles Simon. It's, um, you know, he's been around for a while, but it's, it's kind of easy to forget that he's been a pro since 2002, mm. um, coming up to 20 years next year. That's a phenomenal effort. He's 36 now. Um, you know, there's no doubt that he's slowing down. He's not the player that he, he's always been a counterpuncher. He hasn't really changed in that sense, but we're definitely slowing down. Um, but one of the more likable players um, on the tour, I think. So, um, look, I, I think it's great that he's come out and, and he said that, um, you know, he's not not necessarily thinking clearly. He's got some things that maybe he needs to work on mentally, um, and that's really important. I think that sets a really good precedent um, for a lot of players just to look at the situation and say, no, you know what, I need to take some time off here, and if it's going to preserve his career, um, then more power to him because... Uh, he's, I would say, one of the good guys of uh, of the tour, and um, got a bit of a soft spot for him as well. I, uh, I remember back in, I think it was uh, 2012, um, went to a first round match at the AO um, at Royal Labor Arena, and uh, he uh, came back from a very long injury layoff, and um, he had the unfortunate uh, reality of um, coming up against Roger Federer in the opening round, and um, yeah, he's back up against the wall at two sets to love down. But uh, to Gilles' credit, he won the next two sets and uh, and pushed Roger all the way. And um, still to this day, it's been uh, one of the best matches that I've uh, ever seen in the flesh. So, uh, look, fingers crossed for Gilles. And uh, he's uh, he's taking some really proactive steps to get himself right. So, uh, hopefully we see him back sooner rather than later. I do remember that match as well. He just came off winning the Sydney title. And 
Um, he absolutely creamed through those last two, those second, third and fourth sets to push Roger to fire, but Federer ended up getting the job done. But yeah, Gilles Simon, a wonderful player and a wonderful exponent of our brilliant sport that we so love. But it's time for the Benoit of the Week, Joel. And aside from Benoit's little dancing number that he produced in Argentina, if you uh, if you haven't seen, go on our socials. We have tweeted it and we have put it up on Instagram. It is one of the most wholesome things you will see this week. And the big smile on his face was just hilarious. Yeah. Um, so I have I tomorrow. Stay tuned, stay tuned to Breakpoint Twitter at Breakpoint Pod because I'm going to screen record the translation of that that Instagram caption of the video because it is very funny. <laughs> okay, I'm very very keen to hear um to hear, well to see this because I don't even know um where this is going. So this is very interesting. But aside from Benoit Pair, who is our Benoit of the week this week, Joel? Yeah, well, our Benoit of the week could really only be. Juan Manuel Senaldola after what he did in uh, Cordoba, the, as we've already explained, came from the clouds in qualifying and then bang, wins the tournament, beats some very experienced clay quarters um, along the way. Didn't really know much about him before this event, it has to be said. But um, now to quote my uh, my good friend, uh, Shirag, who I play with, um, funnily enough, um, he's most likely not listening to this. Um, but uh, yeah, he, um, he said to me, oh, did you see that uh, that IT looking kid that won uh, in uh, in Cordoba? <laughs> so uh, that's what I'm going to know him as that um, that nerdy IT guy from Argentina, who, funnily enough, has won a title, and of course I haven't. So, well done, <laughs> and well done to you, mate. What's his name? Shirak. Shirag. Shirag. Okay, well done to Shirag for another nickname that you've bestowed upon Joel to bring into this show. Some of them haven't worked, some of them <laughs> have. Um, but we'll probably have to leave it there so we don't get too many more. But Joel, it's been an absolute pleasure, <laughs> as always. <laughs> no, it's been good, mate. A really, really good show. Thoroughly enjoyed it. It has been absolutely fantastic. A pleasure sitting across from you, as always. Remember, you can uh, listen to us on Wooshka, on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, and on Spotify, or wherever you get your shows from. We are there, and you can also follow us on social media, Breakpoint Pod on Twitter, Breakpoint Podcast on Instagram, same as Facebook, and um, we're there. You can catch all our shows and all the content that we we think is content worthy. You might not, but follow us anyway. It doesn't really matter. Um, this has been Val Febber and Joel Fritchie. Big thank you to Lapo Beccarini again for jumping on with us and Bastian Fashan for setting that up and head to Moritoglu Academy, uh, their website, to check out those facilities. They are just pristine and state of the art, you would just you would just absolutely love being a fly on the wall there and just sitting there all day and and uh, in France and watching everything that's going on. So check out them. We'll see you next week for another edition of Breakpoint, and we might even have a new world number two. <laughs>